This is Josh Smith, pastor of Prince Avenue Baptist Church in Bogart, Georgia. Our mission at Prince is simple, leading people to trust and follow Jesus. And it's our hope that this sermon would help accomplish that mission. For more information about our church, visit us at pabc.org. But this morning, take your Bible and turn to Psalm 13, not 23, 13. Psalm 23. I have decided as I've been praying through what to do through the end of the year to spend the rest of the year, Lord willing, in the book of Psalms. I will not be doing it like I did Psalm 23. I will just be doing one Psalm per week. Most of those, well, all of those will be between 13 and 50, uh, but I'm kind of picking and choosing for different reasons. So I think it'll be an encouragement for us. But I'm really excited about this morning, not only because of what this text has done for me personally, but because of how hopeful I am of what it can do for you. I really believe that what is said to us in this text will be some things that you may have never heard before. I believe that we're gonna talk about something this morning that many of you will have never heard before. It will resonate with you in your heart. You're gonna have wanted to hear this, but you have not heard this. And I really believe that if you hear it and receive it, some of you will find some some freedom in your relationship with Jesus that you have never experienced before. Some of you have been bound uh, by all kinds of traditions, and I believe that this can free you up today. And I believe that freedom, to be honest with the Lord, will then lead you into greater intimacy with Jesus Christ. So I was restless last night as I went to sleep because I was hopeful, believing that this message really can make an impact on us this morning. One of the things that's most helpful to us about the Psalms is the Psalms teach us how to talk to God. I always wonder if David knew we were gonna read these someday. I can't imagine David pouring out his heart like this to God, knowing they were all gonna be recorded and a few thousand years later, we'd all be talking about them and critiquing his honest journal entries. But God knew, he oversaw the writing of this and he ensured that everything we had is the divine inspired right word of God, amen, every word of it. The Lord knew this. I'm not sure if David did or not, but David teaches us how to talk to God which is really important for us because that doesn't seem to come natural for us, does it? I don't know why it is, but it seems much more natural to talk to one another than it does to talk to God. And I think part of the reason is, is because somewhere along the way, we were told that in order to talk to God, we must talk differently than we do to one another. There is a certain language we need to use when we talk to God. There's a certain reverence we must have when we come to God. And if you don't think you understand that reverence or have that language, you're simply not going to talk to God. And so there's a lot of things I believe that hinder us from being honest and talking to God just like we would to one another. I don't know why it is exactly that we have an easier time talking to others But I do know that many times in my life, I've found it interesting to hear the way that people pray and how differently they pray according to how they talk to me. In my first church where I ever pastored, I had a really good man in our church, faithful believer, uh, blue collar, hardworking, salt of the earth kind of guy. And I would see him on Wednesday night for a prayer meeting. Hey brother, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Just keeping my head down, trying to do my job, just working hard, man. Well, praise God. It's good to see you tonight. Good to see you too. And then all of a sudden we start to pray. All he prays is the Hebrew names for the Lord. Oh, Jehovah Jireh. 
Adonai, you know, all that. I'm like, dude, where, I've never heard any of this stuff before. Like, you just talked to me normal a minute ago. And then all of a sudden, when he starts talking, this massive new language, which no one knew he had, and there has to be somewhere down the line, he was taught that in order to talk to God, he has to talk differently than he talks to anyone else. But that's not what you see in the Psalms. What you see as an example from David is no feel of formality, but instead an honest expression of feelings. Now, that makes us even more nervous because in church we have often been taught as well that feelings don't matter. Truth matters, feelings don't matter. I remember in college when I was first learning how to lead small group Bible studies and learning how to walk with uh, different guys through stages of life and encourage them in their walk with the Lord. I remember being told that when you're meeting with guys and you're discussing the Bible, Never ask the question how they feel or how that makes them feel because their feelings don't matter. Truth matters. Now, that creates some serious dysfunction to tell someone over and over that your feelings don't matter, only truth matters. That's like what we often do as parents when a kid comes to us at night and says, Mom and Dad, I'm scared, to which we respond, don't be. That's helpful, isn't it? So the kid then goes, I never thought about that. Mom and dad, you guys are amazing. Like, you should be professional counselors. Like, this is so helpful. I'm gonna now go back up to my room, turn all the lights off, get it as dark as I possibly can, and I'm just gonna not be scared. Thank you. I never thought of that. This is what we do to all each other. We, we have some issues, some feeling that we're facing, and what we say to each other is, well, just don't have that. Just stop that. But telling a kid not to be scared doesn't make a kid not scared. And telling a believer that what you're feeling doesn't matter doesn't make those feelings go away. It just causes us to bury those feelings when in reality, God wants to use those feelings to say something to us. I read a quote a few years ago that was very, very helpful for me in a book called Cries of the Heart by Dan Allender. And here's what he says, listen to this. He says, our emotions are the language of our souls. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. To understand our deepest passions and convictions, we must learn to listen to the cry of the soul. That is a profound statement. God cares about your heart, right? God is concerned about what is going on in your heart. And what Dan Allender is saying is if you want to know what is going on in your heart, listen to your feelings. Your emotions are a window into your heart. Are all of your emotions right? Are all of your feelings true? No, but they are saying something about you. So if all we do is ignore our feelings and our emotions, we're actually ignoring the voice in our heart, which are trying to say something about who we really are and what is going on inside of us. And what I love about the Psalms is that the Psalms give us what the church often doesn't give us. And that is the freedom to express how we really feel. The Psalms give us the freedom to express how we really feel. And look how David does that in Psalm 13. If you're home or here, would you please take your Bible and look at what David says in Psalm 13. And as we read this, I want you to engage in the emotion of the text. I want you to feel what David is saying here. He says this, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? 
Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lift up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now, you don't get much more honest than what you get in verses one and two. Now, Psalm 13 is what's called a lament. It is the prayer that you pray when you feel as if God has forsaken you. When your life feels disoriented, when you feel as if things are not the way they should be, when you start to wonder if God is somehow against you or hiding from you or doesn't love you or doesn't care about you, then you pray a lament. Now listen, over a third of the Psalms are laments. Does that tell us something about the experience of our life? Over a third of the Psalms are a lament, meaning that the psalmist had as a regular part of his life these seasons in which he felt as if God had forsaken him. And the reason I love Psalm 13 uh, so much is because it really serves as a model for us on how to lament, how to talk to God, how, how to talk to God when it feels as if he's forsaken us. You see, all of us have felt this way, but few of us have ever taken the time to express to God that we feel that way. Every single lament in the Psalms follows the exact same pattern with maybe one exception. And so Psalm 13 is not simply there to show us how David feels and how to respond. Psalm 13 is a pattern for us. How do you pray and how do you process those moments in your life in which you feel as if God has forgotten you? Psalm 13 gives us a process for that. So I want to plead with you here or at home, I want to plead with you to write this down. Can you write this down? It's a threefold process that flows exactly from Psalm 13 and every other lament in scripture. Here it is. It starts with this. It starts with accusing God. Accusing God, expressing how you really feel. Accusing God, expressing how you really feel. And that's verses one and David doesn't ask for anything when he begins his prayer. He just tells God exactly how he feels. Four times he says, how long, O Lord? Four times in two verses, meaning that David feels as if he's in a prolonged time of suffering. It feels like he's not getting better, that it's going on and on and on. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide? How long must I take counsel in my own soul? How long shall my enemies exult over me? Meaning this was not a momentary season of his life. He felt for a while that God had forgotten him. He says, how long, look, will you forget me forever? Now, he just feels as if God isn't there. He feels as if God has removed himself from him, that God has closed his eyes and God has literally put in his mind that I've forgotten about David. David who? Lord, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are. He literally feels like when he prays, the Lord has forgotten that he even exists. That's how silent it feels when he talks to the Lord. How long, O Lord, are you going to forget me forever? Look at the next part of verse one. How long will you hide your face from me? He's accusing God of intentionally hiding. So David's speaking and he's saying, well, Lord, are, are you intentionally trying to go over here and hide from me? 
Are you, are you making it such that I can't find you? Because that's certainly how it feels. Look at verse two. How long must I take counsel in my own soul? What that means is this, is that David feels like he's getting no help from the Lord. Lord, I need wisdom, I need help, I need encouragement, but you're not giving me anything, so I'm left to find counsel in my own soul. I don't have anything else but what's going on in here. God, you've forgotten me. Like, you're not listening, you're hiding, you don't care, and so I'm just left to myself. He says, and how long will I have sorrow in my heart all the day? Not a fleeting feeling. All day I have sorrow. I wake up and I feel sorrow. I go through the day and I feel sorrow. I go to bed and I feel sorrow. There is this sorrow that is like descended like a cloud upon my heart and this is how I'm feeling. And then in my sorrow, I reach out to you. You're hidden. You seem to have forgotten me. You don't care and you're not listening. Then he says, how long shall my enemies be exalted over me? So David is saying in the midst of him trying to be faithful and trying to be good, God seems to be blessing his enemies while ignoring him. Now that's hard. It's hard when you feel like God is ignoring you and it's even harder when you feel like God is blessing those who don't love him while ignoring you. Have you ever experienced this before? David said, I'm watching God and all of these people hate you and it seems that they're doing fine and they're getting blessed, but not me. You're hiding from me. Do you feel the emotion of the text? I say this to you a lot. One of my jobs in preaching is to teach you how to read the Bible and understand the Bible. One of the things you must do in the word of God is you must stop and feel what is happening in the text. Do you feel how accusatory David is being, how frustrated David is, how irritated he is, how almost angry he is? God, what are you doing? What is going on? Where are you? Why have you hidden from me? Why are you forgetting me? Now, I would say most of us have felt this way at some point in our life. But very few of us would ever dare talk to God the way David does. But isn't that ironic if you think about it? You see, if I have a feeling towards someone else and I don't express it, I know it, but they don't know it. But if you have a feeling towards God and you don't express it, he already knows it. So for you to hide the way you feel from God is completely ridiculous because God knows how you feel. And one of the things that God wants to do is to teach you how to tell him exactly how you're feeling because until you do that, you'll never move on from that place to the next place. The Lord does not want to hear your meaningless repetition. We know this over and over when Jesus exposes the Pharisees. But God longs for your complete honesty. He does not need you every night and every morning saying, God is good, God is great, let us thank him for his food. Here's the church, here's the steeple open. He doesn't need that. He's not looking for your stale prayers. What God is inviting you into is absolute honesty with him because listen, he already knows it. You say, well, if he already knows it, why would I say it? Because you saying it is part of the process to coming on the other side of it. Part of you acknowledging it and communicating to God is the part of the process towards intimacy. God is giving you the freedom to tell him exactly how you feel. Verses one and two, accusing God, telling him how you really feel. But the second part is this, asking God. Write that down. Accusing God, telling him how you really feel. Asking God, expressing what you really want. That's verses three and four. 
asking God, expressing what you really want. Now, do you notice in your text a gap, a little space there between verses two and three? Do you see that? Okay, now there's another one between verses four and five, and these little spaces matter because it shows us that there is some distance and time between accusing God and asking God. One of the things that we often miss in scripture is we have the ability to read things very quickly. So we can uh, take the book of Ruth and read it in 15 minutes when what we don't realize is this was years and years and years of suffering and difficulty in Ruth's life, but we just kind of read it quickly. And so it is, we look at this and say, okay, David got done with accusing and started asking. I don't know how long this took. All I know is oftentimes we are in this season of feeling this way before we come to the other side of it. There's some space there. But at some point, David kind of gets out of his accusing and he starts making some requests to the Lord. Look at what he says. Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Lift up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. He doesn't ask anything at the beginning. He just expresses how he feels. He accuses God. But at some point, he begins to ask the Lord. And there are really three things he's asking for here. He's asking for God to listen for God to restore, and for God to bless. Verse three, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. I I feel like you've hidden from me. I'm just asking God, would you listen to me? Would you just listen to me? Would you restore me? Would you light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death? I want you to look at that phrase. I'm reading the English Standard Version. Light up my eyes, circle that, underline that, highlight it, use an eyeliner, whatever you have to do. It's a beautiful phrase. Because when it says, light up my eyes, what David is saying is he's saying, Lord, I want the sparkle back in my eyes. I want you to restore me back to when my eyes were bright. Do any of you know the feeling of you losing the sparkle in your eye? Losing the joy in your eyes, losing the sense of confidence and hope in your eyes. David said, I've lost it, it's gone. There's no more sparkle in these eyes, Lord. I'm asking to you to restore it. I want the joy back. I want the sparkle back. I want the life back. Would you light up my eyes? Because if you don't, I'm gonna sleep the sleep of death. And then he says this, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over you, lest my foes rejoice because I'm shaking. That's a prayer that God would bless him. You see, David believes this. He believes that God blesses his people for his own glory. So God will pour out his blessing upon his people so that he might get the glory. What David is saying is, God, I'm seeing all my enemies getting blessed and I don't understand how that's happening. What I'm asking for you to do is bless me so that you're the one that gets the glory. I want you to listen to me. I want you to restore me, but I also want my life to be lived as a blessing to others. I want my life to point to your goodness and your grace. He feels ignored and he just asks that God would listen. He feels forgotten. He feels depressed and he asks for God to restore him He's seen his enemies blessed, but he wants God to be glorified. What David is saying is, God, you feel distant, but I'm asking for you to come and make yourself close to me once again. He accuses God, and then he asks God. But here's the third part of the process. Please write this down. He goes from accusing, God, you've forgotten me, you've hidden, you don't care about me, to asking, but God, I want you back. I, I need you in my heart. And finally, he comes to accepting God. Write that down, accepting God, which is believing what is really true. It begins by expressing how you really feel. It then goes on to expressing what you really want. 
And then finally it moves on to believing what is really true. Now, do you notice the gap again between four and five? Because I don't know how long it took. I don't know how long it took him to get from accusing to asking, and I don't know how long it took to get him to asking uh, to accepting, but I would imagine there was some time there. We could read Psalm 13 in about 20 seconds or 30 seconds, but I, I would imagine this process took a little bit longer for David to get through. But David is finally coming to the place where he is reminding himself of what is true. Look at what he says in verse five. He says, but contrary to how I feel, contrary to how distant you seem, I have trusted in your steadfast love. He is not only kind of confident in who God is, but he's resolved to do something about it. God, you have promised me your steadfast love. Remember the Hesed love of God? We talked about it a lot in Psalm 23 that God has made a covenant to you that he will love you and he will be with you forever, that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God, that he is not only loving, he is kind and he is pouring out his loving kindness on you and has promised to do it for all of eternity. So what David is saying is, God, this is how I feel, but let me tell you what is true. I will trust that you have promised your love towards me and I'm gonna believe it. And my heart will rejoice, even though I don't feel like it. Why? Because you have saved me. I will trust in your salvation. You have delivered me from darkness. You have rescued me from my own sin. You have rescued me from the enemy. You have rescued me from hell by my faith and trust in your salvation. So I will rejoice in your salvation. And I love this. And I will sing. I don't feel like it. <laughs> I'm not even sure. I fully believe right now the words that are being sung, but I will sing to the Lord. Why? Because even in my darkest moments, I have to believe the end of the chapter, you have dealt bountifully with me. God, you have still been good to me. You have still done more than I deserve. Did you notice the resolve? I have trusted. My heart shall rejoice. I will sing. That at some point, David comes to the conclusion that he must stop and believe what is really true and respond to it by trusting, rejoicing, and singing even when he didn't feel like it. And it is not just blind faith. It is resting in the promises of God. It is making a choice to believe and respond to the truth that you know, even though you don't feel like it. Now, let me ask you something. Look here for a minute. Let me ask you something. Do you think David believed everything he said in verses one and two? Do you think David believed that God was hiding from him, that God had forsaken him, that God did not care about him anymore? Do you think that God had left him alone to counsel himself in his own soul? Do you think David believed it? I don't think he did, but I do think he felt it. I think if you were to really corner David and say, David, do you really, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that God has forsaken you? You're a man after God's own heart. You are the one out of anyone in scripture that shows us what it's like to have intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you really believe that? I think David would say, I don't believe it, but I feel it. And what I want you to see is the reason that David got from verses one and two to verses five and six is because he took the time to express how he felt to God instead of just ignoring how he felt about God. You see, in verses five and six, David is now fully confident in everything he questioned in verses one and two. 
And it's not because he's having a bipolar episode. It is not because he's schizophrenic. Somehow by verse six, he turned it all around. And the reason is this, listen, it's because David is human. And every single one of us have seasons in which we feel the way David felt in verses one and two. And instead of ignoring that, he got honest with God and he got honest with others. And what I believe is this, I believe that the only way we get beyond that feeling in verses one and two is going through the process of being honest with God and honest with others, and then going through the process of saying, God, I'm asking you to restore to me what has been lost, and then coming to the other side of accepting that which is true. But if we are so quick to immediately, in our struggle, skip to verses five and six, we won't actually get there because we failed to walk through the process that God wants us to walk through. We are so quick to hurry to verses five and six. And let me tell you what's even worse than that. We're so quick to get everyone else to verses five and six. One of the reasons that people won't be honest in church because they know what they're gonna get is not someone to listen and someone to pray with them. They're gonna get someone to immediately tell them, don't be scared. Well, just stop it. It doesn't work. You tell, well, well, this is how I feel. Well, stop feeling that way. Telling them to stop feeling that way does not make them stop feeling that way. It just makes them bury the feeling so the next time they have it, they're not there gonna tell it to you or anyone else. When the reality is the best counselors are usually the ones who just let you talk. And oftentimes in the midst of your talking, you come to the conclusion that what you're saying is not right. So could it be sometimes when the Lord feels distant, he's just letting you talk. Before he says anything else, he's just letting you talk. But the only way that you will ever come to the conclusion of that is if you allow yourself to speak how you really feel. And the reason that this kind of talk to God is not only right, but necessary and healthy, listen, is because healthy relationships are built on honesty. Can, 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 can you just, I'm, I'm almost done. Listen to this. God is not simply looking for you to obey all the rules. God is trying to cultivate a relationship with you. He loves you. He wants you. He cares about you. He wants to walk with you day by day. And there is no way you will ever develop a healthy relationship with God or with anybody else for that matter until you can learn to be honest. So God is inviting our honesty because he knows it's the pathway to intimacy. So what do we do when we come in moments like this? Well, we realize that this is a relationship. You see in verse one, David says, how long, O Lord? He uses the covenant name for the Lord. Look at what he says in verse three. This is very important. Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. I know I feel this way. I also know you're my Lord and you're my God. I have trusted you as my savior and Lord. You are mine. I know this to be true. And so because I love you and because I want a relationship with you, I'm going to pour out my heart to you because this is what good relationships do. You see, those who accuse God but do not have a relationship with God never come to the other side. They just remain bitter. And so it must begin with you having a right relationship with God, trusting Jesus Christ alone as the payment for your sins, coming into a relationship where you're trusting him as your Lord and Savior. And even after you do that, you will go through seasons where you wonder where he is. 
Sometimes he will allow you to go through that season because he's inviting you to greater intimacy. And when he's silent, it's not because he doesn't care. It's because he's waiting for you to pour out your heart to him and he's inviting you into the path of greater intimacy. He loves you. He knows exactly what he's doing, but we will never make progress when we learn how to be honest with God and others. God, help us to accept his invitation to intimacy through greater honesty. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this sermon. May you trust and follow Jesus more and lead others to do the same. For more information, visit us at pabc.org.